Welcome to Rejected Religion Spotlight. My guest today is Ninian Nyhaus. Some of you might recognize Ninian uh, from an earlier Spotlight interview regarding Carl Jung. But today she's back to talk with me about sidereal astrology. But before we get into all of that, a little introduction. Ninian holds a BA in law and an LLM in international public law from the University of Utrecht in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. In October of last year, she graduated cum laude at the University of Amsterdam in the research master in religious studies. Uh, Ninian's main focus is on Western esotericism, and her key fields of interest are Jungian psychology, sidereal astrology, mysticism, spirituality, and its connections to science. In addition, she is head of social media at the Center for History of Hermetic Philosophy and Related Currents, otherwise known as the HHP Center at the University of Amsterdam, and currently works as a sidereal astrologer and coach. And that last part is what we will be focusing on today. So welcome, Ninian. Welcome back. Well, thank you for having me again. I'm glad to be back. <laughs> Wonderful. So we are going to be talking about a uh, a lot that people can read for themselves in an article that you have written that people can find on academia.edu. Uh, it's titled Western Sidereal Astrology from Ancient Babylonia to the Modern West. So basically what we'll be talking about, all of that information is found in this article. So if people would be interested yes, in reading it for themselves. For sure. Most people would uh, likely know what is meant, generally speaking, uh, when astrology is mentioned, but the type of astrology that we'll be discussing today, called sidereal astrology, might be lesser known and maybe a little confusing to some. So it's a lot to unpack, uh, I know, but Mm -hmm. for the sake of this discussion, I'd like to start out with a bit of history and the definitions of the two main types of astrology that you've researched. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you could start by talking about what astrology is and where it originated and the, the differences between these two systems, the tropical and the sidereal systems of astrology. Yes, uh, that's a perfect start. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, astrology has kind of been described as um, a way, well, most say, it's basically based on where the star, where the planets are located in the sky. And over the, like, centuries, decades, dating back to the second millennium BCE, so Babylonian times, um, it's basically considered to be the oldest science slash craft um in the sense that they've been kind of observing um the the yeah the celestial sky for for ages in order to kind of make sense i i guess if i if i may say so to make sense of existence of 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 what is uh, happening uh, above and how that connects perhaps to what is happening below so um, if anybody ever heard of the Emerald Tablet, which is uh, with Hermes, Hermes Trismegistus, like one of the principles is called as above, so below, as within, so without. Um, that principle has been a lot connected to uh, astrology, as in that somehow the configurations in the sky um, kind of related to what happens on Earth by analogy. Um and then you have so this is kind of a like uh, a craft or a science that was that originated in Babylonia, 
And from that space, it has migrated to Greece and uh, Egypt. And from Greece, it has gone into the West or kind of the Western playing field. And then also from in Babylonia, it has also migrated to the East. So in India, they use uh, Vedic, like most popular form of astrology is Vedic astrology or Vedic astrology. And they use basically the same way of calculating more or less the same than kind of the system that, that I've researched and that I also use in my personal practice, which is called sidereal astrology. Um, the most common type of astrologies that's been uh, used in the West is called tropical astrology. So the fact that it has lost its connections to the heavens, um, but it's still connected to the seasons. So the first day of spring is zero point Aries. Uh, first day of summer is zero point Cancer. And you can continue. Um, but because of one astronomical fact, which is called the precession of the equinoxes, um, there is, and this is, so we're going a bit technical here because that's kind of needed in order to understand what's happening um, in astronomy when it comes to the zodiac or the, and the earth is that the earth spins on an axis and it wobbles because it's not completely round. So that wobble is about 23 degrees. And um, what happens with that wobble is that every 72 years, the earth shifts in respect of the zodiac, um, and this hap like this happened over time, like very slowly, but now two thousand years later, from kind of the moment that tropical astrology was established uh, in ancient Greece by Ptolemy, uh, it has is about twenty five degrees difference, which is almost an entire astrological sign, which is thirty degrees. Um, and so that is kind of in in sidereal astrology you still calculate that in so in that sense it's more accurate in terms of astronomy we were experiencing some technical difficulties uh with the internet connection uh but let's pick it up where uh you left off you were you were you were explaining how the tropical and the sidereal systems, uh, due to the Earth's uh, wobble on its axis, change the the positioning, and mm -hmm. the systems therefore uh, became kind of separated in that the they weren't linking up anymore as far yeah. as the the zodiacal signs were concerned. Mm -hmm. And you were going to give an example about mm -hmm. uh, how this actually works, and you were going to give you an example of your birthday, okay. and that's when everything. <laughs> Went crazy. So if you could pick it up from there. Okay, good. <laughs> then I'll... Yes. Um, perfect. So, uh, yeah, so I'll give an example that I often give, which uh, using my own birthday. Um, so I was born on the 4th of January, which would make me a Capricorn sun in tropical astrology. Um, and so how I often express it is that if I was born 2,000 years ago, um, the sun would have actually be in Capricorn on that date. Um, but in 1994, which is my birth year, the sun was actually located in the middle of the constellation of Sagittarius. You were saying that uh, 2,000 years ago, the sun would have been yeah. in 
Capricorn. Capricorn. But today that it's in Sagittarius with this sidereal system, correct? Yeah. Okay. All right. So... We ha- yeah again with the technical issues it's always a lovely thing it's you never know what to expect with these interviews nope. okay so picking up where where we left off again if uh, two thousand years ago your birthday mm-hmm. the sun in the tropical system as well is in Capricorn yeah uh, yeah so yeah because those two systems were linked at that time. Exactly, right. and and that is the that is kind of the interesting thing um, when for me also doing the research and looking into the history is that at that time the because so the Babylonians created astrology then it got like it got taken up in ancient Greece and even though also around the time of Ptolemy which is basically considered to be the father of Western astrology um, the so what they often used was kind of uh, the vernal point, which is the, the point of on um, what is like the first day of spring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They would often use, for instance, the vernal point zero Aries, and they would use that point as the way to calculate the rest of the positions. Okay. Um, but the zero point Aries was not was was never basically the only one that was used. It was either or ten Aries or eight Aries three Aries, um, it just kind of depended on which system you used or which, like, favorite astrologer you had and you would use his calculations to kind of base your calculation on. Um, And this was also because the procession wasn't understood at that time. Um, It was based, the entire kind of view of the universe, of their cosmology, was based on a geocentric universe which basically they thought that the earth was the center of the universe instead of the sun. And so they believed, they knew, um, because Hipparchus, which is, uh, was a couple, it was like a century, a couple centuries before Ptolemy, he found out that there was a sort of shift happening um, with like the, so that kind of the, with every, like with so many years, like the point would kind of shift. And but he didn't know really what it what that was. And at that time, it was basically argued as the the ninth sphere, which is the the sphere of the fixed stars. And like the cosmo, if you have a cosmological representation of um, the Earth and the heavenly spheres where all the planets were in, they kind of believed that the ninth sphere was on itself moving. So that sphere was moving and not the Earth itself. That was like a theory. Um, so, and one po- also, Ptolemy has acknowledged in his work that there was something like a shift, and he uses Hipparchus's work in kind of arguing that, but he believed that it was one degree every hundred years, and he also, there was also a theory called uh, trepidation, which basically thought that they thought that that point would go 10 degrees Aries, and then 16 degrees back, and then 16 degrees forth, so that it would kind of oscillate around one point um it wasn't until copernicus um in 1600 yeah 15 1600 1700 around those decades were kind of the decades where astronomy really developed and science really developed and where astrology got kind of kicked out of of the universities um copernicus was 
basically the one who kind of kicked that off with his astronomy where he placed um yeah the earth like very kind of said the earth is not the center of the universe um kepler was actually the one who placed the sun at the center of the solar system so copernicus did not but he said that just the earth was uh, was kind of revolving the a middle point which was closer to the sun and so base and he kind of observed that at that his time it was a 21 degree shift with the calculations of ptolemy um that kind of set off the big debate of like is astrology real or is it not um and then eventually like it got kind of killed by public execution like it was and it was you know it's not a surprise the church didn't like astrology the scientific community didn't didn't really side with it so there were only a few um minds that were still kind of defend- defending astrology or and eventually it just kind of became more into the popular spheres and continued on but not in any really academic context um until like much later i would say and kepler was one of the person one of the people who still defended astrology um but he kind of stepped away from using the astrological signs because he believed that with kind of Copernicus's work that those signs got or their use got kind of disproven for the fact that it wasn't accurate anymore with the actual astronomical positions. So he focused on the angles and the aspects which the aspects are basically the how what kind of angles the planets make to each other and based on that they make interpretations of what that means and then also the angulars was the kind of the the north east southwest point of an astrological chart of what that means because those points and those aspects in the angulars they don't shift uh they're identical in both the tropical and the sidereal system because the only thing that actually changes is the zodiac so basically the zodiac um yeah the zodiac or circle is the thing that shifts okay. so yeah just to wrap up the question Tropical astrology is still connected to the seasons, but it has lost its connections to the stars. Um, and sidereal astrology has maintained the connection to the stars since the time that it was invented. Basically. Okay. So to recap for those who might be a little confused because of the technical difficulties yes. we were having. Yes. We had two systems uh th- or there probably were more systems as you talk about mm-hmm. there were more systems but we're focusing on these two we had the tropical and the sidereal uh the tropical was more based upon uh seasons or included seasons uh, in its system whereas the sidereal was uh about the fixed uh stars or the positions of the stars in in the yep. sky and because people thousands of years ago didn't understand that the earth wobbled on its axis uh there Mm -hmm. was this question as to why these two systems started to uh kind of separate from each other uh with regard to measuring and and the time and the position of the stars and that type of thing um so if i'm if i'm on track here stop me if i'm wrong um Mm -hmm. 
So because of these uh, these two systems, the question then r- arose, why is this happening? All, all uh, uh, other things that were happening in, in, in the discovery of, of science as well found out that the Earth is not in the center of the solar system, it's the sun. And then because of the influence of religion, uh, ideas about astrology as a divination system that was kind of looked down upon as we don't want to mm-hmm. do that. And also the because, I guess, uh, due to... This is a series of an unfortunate events because of all of this confusion surrounding these systems of astrology. It became uh, kind of discredited. Is that yeah. safe to say? Yeah. Okay. It, yeah, it got discredited in a big way yeah. because it was always considered also a science, and it lost its scientific foundations completely. Okay. Uh, when they found out that tropical astrology was actually not accurate astronomically astro- astronomically astronomically right. and okay. the the last thing that is perhaps interesting at the time that tropical astrology was uh created well, was kind of developed upon by platonomy um it was sidereal in the sense that it was connected to uh the constellations he fixed it at a zero point technically um it was at that point, like the, the first day of spring was in one degree Aries, which is at the time with the kind of the standards that they had, that was a pretty accurate thing to say that it was zero Aries. Um, so at that time, basically kind of the, the zodiac that they use or the astronomy that we use was still in line with the sidereal system. But that changed if, if you then keep using that same system a thousand years in the future um, because then it's not sidereal anymore because right. it doesn't actually represent. Right. So, right. yeah. Okay. okay. So we have these, then uh, these two systems that are now separated from each other and that yeah. they're not in sync anymore with each other. Uh, why was then uh, tropical astrology chosen quote unquote mm-hmm. uh, as the more popular form in the West and the mm-hmm. sidereal form was chosen in the East as the more popular form with the Vedic uh, astrology, as you mentioned. Yeah, so with the West, um, it's pretty safe to say that that uh, has everything to do basically with the fact that Western culture happened. Like, it, it, <laughs> a big chunk of it originated in, in, in antiquity, uh, in ancient Greece. So... Because that was, a, and also because of Ptolemy's work, like his works got enormously popular when it came to astrology. And that were also kind of the works that survived into the decades kind of after that. And were the works that were used or, or the kind of the go-to works for reference when it came to astrology. So I would say that his work popularized it in a really major way. Uh, and also established tropical astrology, therefore, as the, the, the used form of astrology in the West. When it comes to the East, that's a bit different because, um, I mean, in my paper, I, I write as well that it's a bit difficult to talk about how it exactly migrated into, um, into the East because most of their traditions are all based on oral traditions. So it's not... It's not a lot is like all put in books. A lot of it is um, uh, is based on uh, oral trends, like yeah, uh, just from from 
one elder to another right. in that yeah. sense, yeah. like blazingly said. So, um, and there was not really kind of an intermission or intervention from the, the Greek world. So what my research suggests and, and what I what I feel kind of is probably the way that it happened. Um, but obviously, like, there's so much research to be done in this field in that sense, is that it's kind of straight from Babylonia went into the East. Um, and the... Uh, in, yeah, kind of the the East, or, like, predominantly, I would see, even say India, because, like, astrology, Vedic astrology is, really, is I would say, most popular in India. Um, they did talk about also the fact that the, the procession or the vernal point was moving. They just didn't really know what it meant, but they still observed it, and that's how they calculated it in, even though they did not understand really what was happening. And there are also some Arabic sources that talk about the fact that there's a shift, but still they didn't really know, understand um, kind of what was, mm. yeah, what was going on. So with India, it just kind of, the, the system that they used went straight from Babylonia into, into, the, into that culture and they kind of build upon it with their own uh, myths, stories, like way of, way of doing astrology because Vedic astrology is, is really different from uh, tropical astrology, but also even Western sidereal astrology. Like they've used the same signs and the same planets, um, but they have, there are a lot of differences in that. And I've gone into it a little bit, but I'm not, I'm still in that sense, I'm still a student. Mm. Um, but yeah, so they, they kept the sidereal way of calculating uh, through the ages. And there are still some astrologers today that use a tropical system. That's true. And there is also a lot of Greek material that went into India. Um, but I would say that for, for well, the biggest part of it, the, the tropical way of calculating was not one of them. They always kept the fixed stars as kind of their point of calculation. And those stars don't move. Um, and the vernal point does. Uh, because the vernal point was the first day of spring is very sens time sensitive with the procession, but the fixed stars don't. Um, right, right. So they use uh, like yeah, a different ayanamsha, which is uh, kind of the um, is basically the point they use for for their calculations, which is based on a fixed star instead of the first day of spring. Okay. So you mentioned earlier before uh, before the uh, uh, the technical difficulty started mm -hmm. that uh, your birth date, as the example that you mm -hmm. used, uh, was originally in Capricorn, and now with the shift, if you look at uh, tropical, uh, if I'm understanding correctly, it's now in a different house, or it's now in a different sign. Sign. Okay. In sidereals, it would be a different sign. Okay, in yes. sidereal, it would be a different sign. So this mm -hmm. is almost one full sign that it's shifted out of out of sync with yeah. the with the with the tropical system. Okay, almost twenty five degrees. So there's like about a five degree overlap. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So I just wanted to make make that clear because mm -hmm. that will probably come up again later when we start talking about mm -hmm. the sidereal system and how that, how that works. So um, actually, I can just ask you now, <laughs> getting into more of the uh, resurgence of 
the sidereal uh, system. Mm-hmm. Who can be credited with this rediscovery in the West? If you could talk yeah. more about that. Of course. So um, that's actually, it's very, uh, it's quite interesting because, so basically in the um, ni- late 19, like, so, okay, so early ni- 20th century is basically when Western sidereal astrology was reestablished in a sense of using the sidereal way of calculating within the, within Western astrology. Um, and this can be attributed to Cyril Fagan, which is an Irish was an Irish astrologer um, who was came from a very good family. His father was a doctor. He actually wanted to become a physician, but he wasn't able to because he had scarlet fever when he was a child. So he was almost completely deaf, um, which made that he couldn't. Um, couldn't study in university because he couldn't listen to lectures. So he self-studied um, and started taking up astrology. So he started studying astrology around 1916, um, became uh, well-known for his work around 1930s, and he established the Irish Astrological Association. And then in 1944 was when he found out that the Babylonians, who were the originators of astrology, were using a different system that he was kind of um, practicing. So, and how that happened is actually, so Akkadian, which is the language of the Sumerians, was um, all of those tablets that were found were translated and published around that time as well. So, Cyril Fingen, out of kind of interest, started to um, dive into the history of astrology to kind of un- get a better understanding of, of his craft or his, uh, uh, his practice. And that's where he found that the Babylonians were using uh, a sidereal zodiac and not a tropical one. And going deeper and deeper into that, it basically his research forced him to... Um, to reform the way he he did astrology. And he took up the sidereal system and he basically made it his life's work to uh, to get sidereal, Western sidereal astrology or Babylonian astrology, how he called it, to put it on the map. Um, and he was joined by some other astrologers. Uh, Donald A. Bradley is, was, a, was a big, a big name. They were both responsible for creating the Fagan Bradney Ayanamsha, which is also the Ayanamsha I use from in, in my work. Um, it's very close to the India like Lahiri Ayanamsha, which is used in India. It's about a one degree difference. Um, but it's modeled after Babylonian astrology. And they published works um, Donald Bradley actually had a pseudonym that he, like a different name he used for hip-hop publication, which was Garth Allen. And then you have Roy Firebrace and Rupert Gleedow. Those four names were, were pretty um, important in getting Western Sidereal Astrology on, uh, on the map. All right. So we have this re- re- reintroduction of Sidereal Astrology 
And I can imagine that this would be confusing for people then because oh, yeah. the tropical system is no longer in sync with the sidereal system. And what does this mean then for you or for anyone who is pr- practicing a sidereal astrology? Mm-hmm. Uh, how is this then, um, h- how do you compensate then for the understandings that people have? Like you were born in the sign of Capricorn. I was in the tropical system then, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the tropical yep. system, I would be born in the sign of Pisces, but in the sidereal system, I'm probably not Pisces anymore. I'm probably <laughs> Aquarius. So how can we uh, explain then these uh, traits that are associated with these signs? Uh, mm-hmm. how, do, how do you go about that as a, as a sidereal, quote-unquote, uh, astrologer, astrologist, to mm-hmm. explain that to people uh, so that they can understand it? Um, yeah, so personally, I am really, well, in my practice, I will never look just at somebody's sun sign, um, in a sense that their entire birth chart is important. Um, judging, I mean, you should never judge somebody based on any signs they have, (laughs) because that's not the way you should do it. Um, and in a sense of... Your sun says just one thing about your personality. Um, Same as your moon sign says something big about your personality. Your ascendant, your your rising sign or ascendant, your moon or your sun are basically the three pillars of your personality. Those are, are, yeah, three major ones. Mercury is also pretty important, but those three ones are... If you really want to know, if you really want to get a sense of... Uh, someone those three are very important when it comes to like both different system because you have this a lot right that people really identify with their sun sign and um i would be the last person to say like no you're wrong or like in in a sense if you know kind of um go really rash about that because i do see that tropical astrology can work um in in kind of in practice uh, in a sense of that it's both assist it's also it's still a system so there is a way of kind of if if that is the astrology you have practiced for your entire life like when it comes to astrology as an astrologer you make it your own it's uh it's working with the system and it's learning to interpret based on the material based on intuition based on your own experience uh, it's basically a big combination of all of that when it comes to tropical astrology because even if I would, because this is basically how I started, I got into astrology because most of myself was skeptical a bit, uh, and I had a lot of time on my hands uh, because I was traveling. So I was like, why not? Why not just look into it and see um, what is there? And I was researching my chart uh, in the tropical system, and there was like a lot that I can kind of uh, relate to. And a lot that I could really see myself in. Um, But especially when it came to my sun sign, there was always something that I was like, yeah, I see that. But it almost felt more like something that was put on me than something that I really felt was me. Um, And then, uh, yeah, one day I was trying to put my details in every calculator on the internet I could get my hands on (laughs) because I was trying to just, you know, have the scientific method of like, just try, try, try and see if there are any incongruences or discrepancies. This is not, 
the biggest amount of data I kind of wanted to um, wanted to accumulate. And one uh, calculator gave me back entirely different signs for my moon and my sun and my ascendant. And I got very confused, <laughs> um, checked about three times, four times if I maybe, I don't know, put in the wrong birthday or birth year or anything. Um, but no, I was still uh, that. And then I found out that that was sidereal astrology. And I had never heard of it. So I kind of researched more into it and learned about what it was about and that it was more accurate in a sense of astronomy and all of that. And I was like, okay, I'll do an experiment with myself, which is take both charts, researching them side to side, and then see which one resonates most, and then do the same with my best friends and family. Um, because those were the people I know the most, so that was would be the easiest one to kind of yeah as accurately as possible mm. to see which one fits better and that just i mean for me researching my own sidereal chart made so it was creepy it was like it made so much sense and um i just got hooked in the sense of that i my rational brain didn't understand it because it was like how but how this you know this is weird like how is that possible but still I, I felt, yeah, it was also just kind of an intuition of, like, there's something here. Um, and since then, like, at one point, the sidereal system convinced me, based on my own experience and based on the people that I've read after that, also complete strangers and people I met on the road. Um, and that was six, I think, almost seven years ago. So and I've, I've stuck to it. It has not. I haven't come across um, anything that kind of proves to me otherwise. Um, and I've really seen it work for myself and also for my clients and a lot of other people. So um, I just to me, it's always been really fascinating. And uh, yeah, it became became a really big passion of mine. Interesting that um, you came to it from a position of being very skeptical and not really yeah. putting much stock into it. That's very interesting. I was also wondering if you could talk about what, uh, so you gave kind of a background on a personal note of how you came to, yeah. to know about astrology and and, uh, and how you're working with it yourself. How did this translate then into academic research? Yes, so that's actually a funny one. Um, because when I, I mean, when I started doing astrology, it was way before I did the, the masters in, in Western esotericism at the UFA, um, and I was actually before that I was really considering studying astrology in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I felt like that training could actually benefit me, um, but then I found uh, the masters and in Amsterdam, and um, I was like, okay, astrology is part of Western esotericism, so maybe that is a good, um, would be a good place to dive more into the history, because that for me was very, um, I was very curious to see what is the history behind it, it's like, why have, why has astrology been something that has been fascinating to people for s millennia, basically, yeah, yeah. and how did it originate it, and how, how, also, how did tropical astrology came to be if sidereal astrology was the original one? Um, and I, I remember reading some papers uh, in the beginning of my master's where 
it was mentioned that Galileo and also Kepler were talking about a reform of astrology. And I remember asking in class, being like, but what was this reform about? So this is, um, and nobody really seemed to know the answer. And so then for one class, I got the opportunity to use history as kind of a field to go into the, yeah, go into the history of astrology. And um, there is a lot there. And like, that's how I, how I re wrote the paper. And uh, a lot of it kind of became more illuminated. Whereas um, my, the research that I've done does suggest that Kepler wanted a reform because of the fact that uh, the precession of the equinoxes was discovered. Um, but there is still, so there's still a lot with like, if you, I would, I, just Kepler's work in that context would be a PhD. Like it, oh, <laughs> there's yeah. like a lot. And it's also, and one, why I wanted to use it as a research focus is because it's a really relatively new field. Also, Cyril Fagan, he kind of jump-started it. Um, but he passed away in 1970, and the three people that were researching alongside him all died four years later in the same mm -hmm. year in 1974. So that was a big hit for for the research and right. kind of the development of that astrology. And it has... It has been picked up in the 90s a bit more. And there are some uh, sidereal astrologers that are doing um, uh, more academic work or more kind of research on it. But not a lot. There's not a lot um, being done on, on, yeah, on the work. And especially you know, when it comes to actually the historical research. There's a, there's a, there are more sidereal astrologers that are using it in this practice. But... Um, yeah, when it comes to the history, actually, of, of that, um, it's a bit more still a bit in the dark, uh, I would say. Right. So, yeah, that for me, it felt like just a, a perfect thing to research, especially because there hasn't been that much written on the topic already. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, yeah, I feel it was I felt lucky to yeah. be able to. OK, this is actually something that is not uh, so well done. Yeah. Uh, done a lot. Well, it was a perfect fit for you because yeah, you took exactly. your your personal interest and 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 mixed it in with your with your academic uh, interest and your research there, and also uh, your your article, which I, I recommend everybody reads because it goes into a lot more detail uh, into history and how um, astrology and astronomy were so closely related to each other in the past and how oh, yeah, that, it was the same word. Yeah. Yeah. It basically meant the, the same thing as you said, yeah. and how this has then separated from each other and became mm -hmm. these completely different, uh, ways of thinking about, about the world and how people relate to, uh, re relate in the world to each other, to nature, to the cosmos, et cetera, et cetera, how those two concepts became so separated and now they're considered to be completely different things. So interesting stuff. I, I really recommend that, uh, that everybody out there uh, goes to academia.edu and reads that article. Um, mm -hmm. On a more personal note let's just stay with the with the personal uh, side of the of the story you've recently started a platform 
uh, of your mm-hmm. own as an astrologer and a coach. And you use a combination of Jungian psychology, that was the topic of, of your first visit uh, here on Spotlight, and the sidereal astrology system in your work. So you use both of those, uh, those mm-hmm. uh, concepts. Can you talk more about this, how you're using it, what it means to you, why you feel that they... They connect or click so well together that you can use these in your in your work. Yeah, so I started a website. Uh, I have a website now where it's it's a lot of things. It has the academic work I've done, um, but it also has a blog with uh, about astrology where I give uh, new moon updates, full moon updates. Um, but also uh, I started a series about kind of giving my interpretations of each sun sign and it's just starting. So I hope that eventually it will become a platform where people can just go to to research astrology themselves. Um, and I also give readings and do coaching. Uh, I My biggest focus at this point is on the readings. Um, but I'm open for anything, but just the readings have been a bit more popular uh, than the coaching. And with the readings, basically what I do is, is um, and this has been really also an interesting experience for, for myself, um, because how a lot of my readings work is that people send me their, uh, basically just a name or not even a name and their birth details and they tell me which kind of reading they would like to have or what they would like to know more about or which questions they want answered or have want to have more insight on. And um, I go, yeah, I draw up their, I pull their birth charts and I give a audio recording that I send. Um, I will eventually also do written readings, but at this point it's just audio recordings. And I send that to them. Um, this is without any personal knowledge about who these people are. Uh, so for me, it's also been really interesting to see that every one of the people that I've read so far have been all positive, uh, have all given me positive feedback. Some even that people were kind of just really, really surprised of like, wow, this is insane. You're describing me as much as a good friend could, as, as good as a good friend could do. Which for me, every time, because I'm always I'm, I'm always a bit terrified and scared whenever I put a reading out, because I have a very critical brain, very rational brain. Other side, also definitely a, a more spiritual, kind of uh, emotional, intuitive side to myself. So sending that, although I do take it really seriously, make sure that the research I do and, and kind of the way I formulate things um, is as, as good as can be. Uh, but still, it's always a bit of a leap, like it feels. So to have such positive feedback uh, really kind of has been a big indicator of like, okay, you can continue with this. Um, so that is that was basically the work that I do is purely astrological. Um, and then with the coaching, um, because I'm I'm receiving training with the NAP, which is basically the Dutch version of the International Association for Analytical Psychology. So I'm planning to uh, complete a four-year program to become an accredited union analyst. And then in my practice, I would like to really combine astrology with um, union theory in a sense of... So I would never use astrology as a end-all, be-all of 
in sessions. It will only, it will be a tool that I use in a sense of whatever, what I often have found in my practice is that um, a chart, it gives you kind of, um, it almost gives you, for instance, if you have an adult coloring book, we have like uh, uh, just the outlines of, of, a, of, a, of a drawing, that would be kind of the birth chart then the person sitting in front of me or, or my client is the one who colors that, who gives it kind of, it gives it content, gives it shape, gives it uh, its shine. So I always let the person sitting in front of me inform the birth chart that I'm looking at in a sense of, because there is so much uh, when it comes to the interpretation of astrology. There are so many little variables and it's, it's always, it's really kind of the, 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 the real, the big thing is trying to interpret the chart as a whole. Um, and that is something that you, that is really learned over years, maybe decades even, um, where it's kind of the skill that you have to kind of, um, yeah, you have to keep training. So for me, it's if, for instance, because this is often like sometimes like, yeah, but like, are you not, you know, like there is a lot of people that are, if, if they are very skeptical about astrology, it will give me a lot of questions. And I welcome those questions all the time, because for me, it's a good also mental exercise to kind of um, see where I'm coming from and to get myself in check. Um, that it, if, if I see something, I will honestly use that basis on the kind of questions that I would ask. Um, in a sense of if that person says, no, that's not what I have, then I was like, oh, probably there's some other variable. And then, but it's basically a tool to not have to step into something like it gives you kind of a jump start on uh, bonding with, with the person that is sitting in front of you, because you have a tool that helps you to understand where they're coming from, the challenges that they're going through, yeah, that they're are will face in life are going through and also kind of the little um like paradoxes and 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 peculiarities of their persona and their personality um that yeah astrology gives gives a tool it gives kind of a, a guidepost a lamppost um that can it's almost like a flashlight in the dark uh the same is where in Jungian psychology it's a lot about dreams um and uh, yeah, and it's a, it, and that is about symbolism, which is also a lot in astrology. It's also about mythologies, which is also a really big thing in Jungian psychology, uh, whether it's mythology or esotericism or alchemy or religion. Like the symbols of kind of our, our history um, are very big for the interpretations of um, a person's dreams. So both those theories. Um, there would be, yeah, it would, it's a combination of them. And I would like to uh, write about that at one point as well, to kind of publish on um, how those, how they kind of interact. Um, and, and Jung himself got into astrology uh, as well back in the days, but he was, there was still in the time that he was in contact with Freud and Freud was, was a tad skeptical about it, which is... <laughs> which is not very surprising given his disdain for religion as well. Um, but F uh, Jung was aware of the fact that there was the procession. Um, 
and that's all a belief that there's also uh, there is a reference in his work where he said like yeah but the astrological signs are different now because of the procession it's so many degrees difference so he was aware of that which I found very interesting Mm. Um, but there's definitely a lot more that I can do research on in that regard Um, but I think there's definitely a lot of potential there and it's been done I think Liz Green is uh, is a name within the tropical astrological world that also has is I believe she's a Jungian as well and she's done some research um as well so you know there are a lot of uh, people that uh, of course are skeptical of of astrology Mm -hmm. and 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 this this whole notion of uh, people's characteristics and qualities you know that that some kind of system can explain that that Mm -hmm. we're all supposed to be unique individuals and how can there be a system that already has everything planned out for us you know that there's this kind of a uh what do they call that cognitive dissonance that how can that be and there are a lot of people that would like to discredit astrology and saying Mm -hmm. that well you could just give uh, a a piece of paper with all of these things written on it and give it to a whole group of people and they they all read it and they all say oh yes this this explains me to a t you know Mm -hmm. there is a as you well know, there is this concept within the uh, hermetic teachings in uh, Western mm-hmm. esotericism that there is, they call it the great chain of being, that that mm-hmm. everything, and that's what gets back to what you were talking about, as above, so below, as within, so without, this adage, that everything is connected and that the, the cosmos, the stars, the, they're having some kind of influence on, uh, on ourselves, our bodies, our minds, our emotions, etc. And because of our, I guess, enlightenment uh, ideals nowadays, it's very hard for us to reconcile the, the, the scientific side with this more intuitive and maybe connectedness uh you know idea of of everything being interconnected and and astrology of course is is that idea of the interconnectedness how do you uh what does that mean to you as far as the astrology and just in your own personal opinion mm-hmm. astrology and how how do you ex- how do you not so much explain to people who are like wanting to reject the idea, but how do you place this into our sense of what reality is and and, in how we Mm -hmm. live in the world, if that makes any sense? Yeah, no, it it does make sense. It's a big question, but it it does make sense. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, but I I can, I can answer that definitely in, in kind of, um, my own understanding of uh, of life, reality, the big questions, right? Um, but yeah, so I mean, it kind of also interacts with with my what I did uh, my master thesis, where I talked about madness and divine madness, and we're basically kind of this dichotomy of of rationality and irrationality is um, also plays plays a big part. Where because of the Enlightenment, rationality or rational thinking has been basically put on a pedestal as like the like kind of the thing that makes us evolved human beings. 
um, and sets as apart from animals, for instance. Um, but it's it's quite interesting because Jung talks about this a lot in his work as well, where um, actually the idea that you know that everything is like that the universe is is more alike to a machine and it's all based on on set laws and set principles and that kind of object science is is the holy grail of of truth um it's a relatively new uh thing like before the enlightenment like humanity was 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 not like that we always lived with kind of this this also, and when I say the word irrational, I, I use it, I mean it as stripped from its negative connotations mm-hmm. because irrationality has been is been viewed as negative. And I don't necessarily see it as negative. I just see it as the opposite to rationality. Right. <laughs> um, and within that irrational sphere, there are emotions and there is love and there is loss and there's grief. And these are all the things that actually make life worth living. Um and so I, I believe to to look at them as being second grade is, is actually doing our own happiness or our own kind of human, be, like being human at the surface. Um, so I really believe that kind of, you know, the, the biggest, um, the challenge is, is to somehow give both of those sides uh, a place in your life. And for, for me, astrology has kind of become a vehicle for that, where it's at one point has uh, physical foundations in the sense of that it is related to uh, science in the sense that it's based on astronomical calculation. And then basically the rational part or the more intuitive part, the more interpretational part, the more emotional part is how do you interpret that? What does it mean? It's like the meaning-making function of, of uh, humans is is to give um, is to try to understand or give meaning to our experiences. Um, and for me, that is also what astrology is. It's you know the thing is with so uh, astrology is it's both determinism and it is free will in a sense of astrology will give you basically a skeleton of your life. Uh, it will give you kind of the energy of, of some of the things that you're meant to experience in this lifetime. You're meant to, to, uh, to face um, or to learn. And so it basically gives you a broad picture of the lessons that you're going to learn in, in this lifetime. How those lessons are filled in and how you learn them, because you can learn, for instance, how to swim in different ways, um, is up to yourself and kind of also the course of the choices that you make. So in that sense, it's... um, And I believe that even with the analogy thing of that somehow everything is connected... um, is that it doesn't have to be connected even by cause and effect. It can also be connected by analogy in the sense of that it's not that one is the cause of the other, but it's basically just one is parallel to the other. Um, and this is purely theoretical because like to really, this is the thing with astrology that a lot of people kind of are deterred from it because there is really no real way of knowing for sure 100% objective truth or ascertaining that it's either true or not. Um, And a lot of people, uh, yeah, like uh, 
they find it uncomfortable to live with with that mm. um i myself uh, do not necessarily in a sense of as as long as i can ground it in my own personal experience as long as it it's it's kind of based on logic as long as it comes you know like it's within my subjective truth um and i'm staying very mindful of both rationality and irrationality that's basically how i kind of navigate through it um and you'll make mistakes of course like this course it's fill it's fill a trial and error um honestly and but yeah like it's it's kind of this thing which i think it also within the western esoteric field is like you know, the kind of this drive of, of this is a really Western esotericism being, you know, the rejected uh, knowledge um, is is the thing of this is a really big part of our history, of, of our human history. And it has been kind of pushed aside by science and religion alike, because it's it's a field of study that somehow hangs in the middle of the two. Um <laughs> And it's it, and that is uncomfortable because it's not one and it's not the other, and I think that ultimately perhaps um, we would all benefit from it if if we learn to look at the world through both like the rational and irrational eyes, um, and to balance those sides within ourselves and without ourselves, um, because. I think that it will just only enrich our lives so we can try to do that. And it will um, also perhaps make us even happier because like, in, in a sense of, you know, bringing some meaning back and, and um, you know, daring to explore your own subjective truth, um, which doesn't have to replace objective truth. And I think that's really important for people to know. Um, being an astrologer doesn't mean you're against anything scientific or objective. Um, if anything, I, you know, it's for me personally, I love science. I'm very interested in it. I will always, if something is objectively true, I will, I will never go against that. If that is the kind of the norm and it makes sense and it's logical, but it doesn't prevent me from kind of dipping my toes into the other side and to kind of like going beyond that and see what does it mean to me and my life and um, how do I uh, understand it if that is not something that can be answered by a scientific uh, observation. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. That was very beautifully stated. I, I think this dovetails very, uh, very nicely in... Uh, with what you were talking about before, uh, when you were a guest earlier on the on the spotlight yeah. <laughs> show, that we were talking about the whole idea of balance and integrating mm-hmm. these two sides, and and yeah, becoming that uh, Jung calls that individuation, where you're becoming your full person. So yes. uh, yeah, that's that's nice how these two. Uh, mm-hmm. concepts are meshing so so well together for you know as you explained that that's that's very very yeah very interesting and and makes you think about all of this a little bit yeah. more deeply so thank yeah, you does. again for sharing that in closing where can people learn more about what it is that you're doing where can people find you 
Okay, so um, I believe that with probably with the publication of this podcast, my information will all be there. Yep, um, but so I have I have a website which is uh, NinianSidereAlAstrology.com. Um, and then I'm on Instagram as well um, at Ninian Nyhaus, which is basically my first and my last name. Um, I also have a astrology Instagram, which is Ninian underscore sidereal astrology. Although I'm having some difficulties with Instagram at the moment because I believe Instagram thinks I'm a bot. Well, oh. I'm not a bot, but it's like, oh <laughs> but I hope that that kind of clears up when I will just continue on. And at one mm. point Instagram gets the memo that I'm, I'm a normal person. Um, uh, yeah. So that Instagram and I also have a Facebook page um, with my name and then Sidereal Astrology, uh, which is all kind of linked on my website and on my Instagram. It's kind of this this circular thing. Mm-hmm. Of, of, if you find one, it's easily you can find the others. Find the other. um, and then, yeah, I have my academia page where's my work. But my work is also on my website. So, yeah, if you ever want to get in contact with me, message me through the website or send me a, a personal message on, on Instagram, for instance, whatever is more convenient to you. Um, I'm open to anything. If Of course, readings, coaching sessions, but also just general questions. Because um, uh, I will at one point want to also start a webinar series or anything like that where people can come and learn astrology. Um Excellent. And anything like that, but yeah. Well, excellent. That's, Great. So I will uh, d- certainly uh, include all of those links in the description Perfect. box uh, for people to check out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, they'll, they can find you there. And then, of course, people are also welcome to comment on this video if they'd like to ask questions here. I'll forward those on to you, of course. Um, and yeah, hopefully we can get some people uh, interested in this topic of sidereal astrology and we can start to yeah, learn a little start... bit more about it. So that yeah. would be a wonderful thing, I think. Well, Ninian, I yes. would like to thank you for joining me yet again mm-hmm. uh, for today's discussion. Um, I wish you much success in your endeavors. Uh, Thank Thank you you. as well to the uh, viewers and the listeners out there. I hope this was enjoyable for you as well, because I had a great time talking with Ninian today. (laughs) So thank you again, Ninian. All the best to you. Thank you for having me. Yes, you too. (laughs) Thank you. Well, that's all for now. Be safe out there, everybody, and I'll see you next time. Bye. Ciao. (laughs) 